You are now listening to the voice of Tamar with Vanessa Santiago. In 2018, Vanessa Santiago released her documentary titled The Voice of Tamar. And before that, we had the chance to sit down. The recording that you're about to hear today took place in 2018 before she released her documentary. A documentary is available at vanessa-santiago.com. So if you have not seen it, please consider doing so. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, rather it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, please consider subscribing, reviewing, and tell a friend to tell a friend. We hope that this particular conversation will be a blessing to you in your journey of healing. How do you set up goals in your personal life? Well, most of the time, I have to identify that something is wrong. So usually, for the most part, I see that there's something wrong or that I didn't do something the be- like to the best of my ability. And if I see like that has consistently happened in the past, I start to set small goals to see if I can reach them. Or just regular personal goals or just things that I want to accomplish. I have to you know, just write it out first and set a time limit for myself and then just... Take them on. One of the things about setting goals is envisioning it and really being able to see it. So how important to you is having that type of vision of seeing what's up ahead of where I'm going? I think though for the most part, the way that God will do it for me mm-hmm. is that he'll just show me a small glimpse because mm-hmm. if he showed me all of it, I probably would back out <laughs> So I think as I go along, he just shows me like, now this is what's going to happen next and this is what's going to happen next. Um, so I think that he just shows me like small pieces to the picture. And as I get to that next place, he'll show me just a little bit more. How much does planning and then how much does prayer go into it? So prayer for me is like the first thing mm-hmm. because um, I tend to like be all scatterbrained Mm -hmm. I'll see a project and I'm just like or a goal and I'm like I want to get there tomorrow Mm -hmm. and I don't take the necessary steps in order to get there and so for me prayer is really important and then I have to find whatever that prayer is like in scripture so that I can match them and know that I'm moving in the right direction and that me and God are on the same page um so prayer is really important first (laughs) first and then scripture and then kind of like walking it out what the scripture says about the plan that you're making or about the goal that you're setting about the plan and the goal gotcha (laughs) (laughs) how difficult has it been or how difficult is it to kind of pull back the reins and kind of self-evaluate and say okay i have to do step one step two as opposed to wanting to get to step 10 yesterday um it's very difficult for me because i'm just like i want it done tomorrow Mm -hmm. so it's like okay um i spent like 20 seconds thinking about it like why is it not done and then i'm like i quit <laughs> i quit and so i think that the pulling back is when i'm just like really praying and asking god like what's the process what do i need to do in order to get there because if it was up to me and how i would want it done it's like i'm here today and i want to be all the way you know in space tomorrow and there's definitely a process to getting there what is the process you go through when setting up a goal because right now you got a, a facebook live event that'll be coming up and we'll talk a little bit about that but let's talk about the preparation you have that 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 goal that vision how's the preparation been for that the preparation I feel like um, as I said before like the Lord was just kind of giving me little small pictures of what was gonna happen and so I knew that in order to get to that final 
project that I needed to make sure that everything along the way was just sorted out. And so um, I think I had to spend a lot of time just one-on-one -on -one with God and just asking him, what do I need to be doing next? What do I need to be doing next? And like some of those things were pretty hard. So I spent a long time writing. I spent a long time reaching out to people. And so for me, there was just such a process to get here because it's like, you don't want to talk about something that you've never been, mm -hmm. that you've never really fully walked yourself out mm -hmm. of. And so I had to really spend like, it seems like just a year, but it was really like 10 years in my mind. How important is it to have that clear message of what you want to say, of where you want to kind of drive the focus? It's important because it's like if I go and I open my mouth and you have people who kind of like look up to you in a way because they kind of see you walking out the thing that they've been going through, mm -hmm. you don't want to deliver something that you know is not sent from God. So it's like I really had to do heart checks often. Like, am I over this? Is there unforgiveness in my heart? You know, is there something I still have to work on? Because I don't want to go there and someone takes the template, you know, of what I've done to kind of get myself here and something and there be a crack. It's like now I feel a little bit responsible for them having that crack because mm -hmm. they took my template that I had not even, you know, allowed God to just really perfect. Now you've been doing a lot of more talks recently, right? You've been going to various places. How has it been for you stepping out to doing talks? I think that I'm I'm very good at like explaining things, mm -hmm. writing. But what I've noticed recently is that people want that quick information mm -hmm. and not all times they're just willing to read something very long. And so I knew that in order for me to get what I felt like I needed to say out, that I would have to become comfortable with opening my mouth and just really explaining the messages that I've wanted to get across. So the thing is that I've really just walked into those situations completely afraid and scared and like what if I'm not gonna you know articulate myself the way that I really want to or what if I don't get all of my points across and so I've really kind of just been stepping out on faith and just asking God to like really take control and then when I walk off I'm like you know I didn't do so bad <laughs> and I think it was just a fear that was kind of trying to cripple me from actually stepping out because I can't articulate myself well because who yeah. knows my story better than the person who then walked you, through it how do you overcome that fear though I just jump. And I have moments where I'm extremely nervous. So, you know, in regards to the, the documentary that's coming out, um, I remember I was going to go edit the video and I'm like sitting on my floor at the living room just crying. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm so scared. Like, Lord, why do you have me doing this? And I don't want to do it. And, then you, you know, there's just so many concerns that come behind opening your mouth to say something mm -hmm. that people have wanted to keep secret for so long. And so I've just literally had to pray and then I just wipe my face. So you stand up to give a talk. Do you find yourself getting nervous when you get the call? Do you find yourself getting nervous when you know that it's coming up? Do you find yourself getting nervous when you're on stage? When is it the most peak of nervousness for you? I think it's right before it's going to start. Okay. Because I'll jump and be like, I'm committed, I'll do it. And it's like, now I'm committed, so I have to do it. Yeah. And so I'm just like thinking about it as that time comes. And then when the time comes, I just start laughing because I get super nervous. And then it's like, what am I going to say? So mm -hmm. I usually get like a big piece of paper and I have like bullet points with yeah. 22 size font <laughs> so that I don't forget. Now you have two boys, right? I do. Gotcha. How old are your kids? 11 and 7. How is it being a single mother? You are single, right? Yes, I am. Okay, very well. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know what I mean? <laughs> So, single mother, going to church, trying to be committed to the Lord and raising these two boys. 
what type of challenge is to be expected in that? I think it's hard, like, all around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of my past, like, relationships have always been, like, a goal. Mm-hmm. And so when you're raising sons, you don't want them to think that they can just date whomever. And so I've had to, like, really pull back and be like, Lord, you know, let me enjoy my time of singleness mm-hmm. and not jump the gun. Um, it's also very different when you're serving God as a single mom and you have sons because a father can teach a son in a different way than a mother can teach a son. And so sometimes it's a little bit hard for me to just explain some things to them that they're supposed to have when, you know, I'm not their dad or their, your father is not saved yet. Mm-hmm. So um, those are challenging moments for me. But once again, just like every other goal and any other thing that I'm, you know, in progress with like I've really learned to pray and ask God like how do I move forward because as a parent especially when you've had a rough childhood you don't have an example of what it's supposed to look like you can see other people parenting but you don't see them at home when you know their kid is saying they don't want to go to church Mm -hmm. so it's like Lord how do I really explain to my son that you know you have to fellowship and and so I really just have to really pray and ask God to like just already plant that love for him you know at this age um so that they can kind of understand why we're there and not think it's like oh we're always at church and you know things like that so recently what we've done is we've gotten like index cards and like written scripture on them and i'm very strategic so like Mm -hmm. when you spend time with your kids you know what they struggle with so like one of them tends to be a little bit more fearful one of them is a little bit more anxious so I write the scriptures down and then we play a game. So it's like, let's play Jeopardy. If you can memorize this scripture or, you know, tell me what's behind this one. And so I think it's making it fun because we are like, as parents, we're always like, you're going to do what I say. You're going to do what I say. You're going to do what I say. And then when they turn 18, it's like, well, I'm living on my own and I don't have to do what she says. Yeah. Where if it's more of a fun thing, they're subconsciously like planning the word mm-hmm. on the inside of them so that when they do get 18, you know, it's already on the inside and they've learned to love God you know, during the process and not just have him shoved down there. I have a friend of mine who says it's not about um, introducing them to the path. It's about instructing them in the path. I agree. So the Facebook event, is it going to be only on Facebook? Is it live? Explain to us about that. I'm going to upload it on YouTube and then I'm just going to link it to my Facebook. So it's a documentary? Yes. Okay. How long is a documentary for it's going to be roughly 25 minutes. I want people to kind of like really understand that it's a process. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I've been through this, I've confessed it, and you know, now I've changed. Like I've spent a good solid two years kind of peeling back the layers mm-hmm. to really walk on my salvation. And so my plan is to just let this one go and um, that'll be a little piece to the puzzle. <laughs> so the preparation for this documentary that you're doing has been two years in the making? Yes. So the documentary idea came in November mm-hmm. as far as the process. Like throughout the last two years, I've done a lot of, so I had a whole bunch of journals mm-hmm. and in those journals, I wrote down everything that has ever happened to me. And I've had them from six to, and I now still writing them, but six to 18 roughly was when the bad things were happening. And so when I first decided to um, walk this thing out, I was reading through all of the journals, all of the moments with details and everything, times, dates, and all that. And I was just overwhelming myself. And I was just piling all these bricks on me that I did not have the strength at the time as a new believer to even take off. And so I remember going to this church one day, and I was not a member at the time. 
And the worship leader was singing and he gave a word from God and he said, you know, we're too busy digging in our past and the Lord has kind of like already forgiven us for that. And just talking about backtracking and stuff. So that day I felt like the Lord was telling me like, you can't keep going back and kind of torturing yourself with like these dates and all the stuff that has happened to you. And so he gave me direction to go home. This is a Saturday that we had this service to go home, start a fire and burn everything like all my journals so I'm just like throwing them you know throwing my journals in there I'm like these are my memories and what I've learned about trauma recently as I've been studying is that um there's this part of your brain that gets like pressed in regards to like you just memorizing things because of trauma because it's your way of defending yourself so I was thinking to myself how am I going to be healed if I can't read because I don't remember so it's very hard and kind of like an act of trust to just really throw these things out and allow God to kind of like slowly give me the things that he knew that I could handle so I was like slowly throwing those things in I'm like Lord I'm just gonna leave them you know in the fire and they're just burning up and I'm like every memory that I've ever had and little by little he just gave me different directions talk to your parents let them know what happened to you you have to forgive so and so so and so so and so so and so and then when I would get to that point he would remind me of like other things that had happened and I'm just like I thought I was done and um I would have to just go through that different you know those different kind of processes and um sometimes I thought that I was like completely done and I'm like I'm healed and I'm ready and so I remember one day I went to the dollar store and um one of the people from my past who had played a part in like hurting me was standing like directly in front of me and here's his daughter and she's like oh you don't remember her and he's like no and I'm just looking at him and I'm like oh you know and I'm like trying to smile so when I got in the car I was crying and I'm like well there's clearly still something inside of me that has not resolved you know with this situation and so I've had to learn to kind of like do forgiveness proxies just really understanding that some of my behaviors were be like coming from what I've been through so it's like well this is why I've run into so many relationships and they've been dead ends or they've been mirrors of my past because there were unresolved issues within myself so I had to decide to be single for a long time and that was tough because um I've realized from what I've been through that like one of the side effects of it is kind of like wanting to be loved and expect and and expect somebody to love you back and be in control of certain situations and um I had to understand that I literally had to give God the control which is hard because when you when you love God but you don't know him and you mirror him as like earthly parents you think that he's flawed even though he's perfect so it's like Lord I'm going to trust you but what if you disappoint me but that's not the way that God is but I think that he's had to like kind of have me unlearn what what he is or what I thought he was um, so that I could really learn him, like, in his most perfect way. Yeah, removing those uh, preconceived notions. Yeah. Yeah. How important was it to burn those books? Because I think you posted some of that on social media about, I think there was one of 2005 or something like, but how, how important was it to just watch that burn away? I think that it was important for me because I held a lot of guilt. So... It wasn't just the violations that were in the book. It was details of, you know, when my parents disappointed me, disappointed me when my dad didn't show up, when my mom, you know, was doing what she was doing, when we were taken away by CPS, when, you know, people just dropped the ball and it was like reminders of people that I did not forgive. And it was also like a guilt thing about the things that I had done. 
So, you know, I was married. I got a divorce. I threw those papers in there. You know, at one point, right before getting saved, I got pregnant. I got an abortion. So that was something I had to throw in there as well. And it was just like the Lord had already forgiven me, but I was too busy kind of like beating myself down and rereading them over and over and over and over again. And like pretty much torturing myself. Mm -hmm. So it was just important because it was like a clean slate. And then the Lord got to choose like... This is what you're dealing with in this season. This is what you're dealing with in that season. So, God kind of puts a mirror, and you got to look at yourself and be like, I got to let this go. <laughs> yeah. It, and it was tough. Sometimes you're not used to looking at yourself. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes you just want to live, and you don't stop to pay attention. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Or why is it that when somebody says they're coming, and they're 10 minutes late, I start to freak out? Yeah. And, like, he started to deal with that, too. Like, you, you got yeah. to just abandon it. And I'm just like, no, I just want people to be on time. Yeah. Like, but sometimes they're late, but they should have been here, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it just reminded me of, like, this orphan thing where you just feel like you're not wanted. Yeah. And it's like, I had to learn how to look at that and not freak out and not after you confront all these things within yourself you know the lord begins to work in you how was the process or how challenging was it to say okay now i'm gonna talk about it because it's one thing for you to confront it in your own life and be like all right thank you lord i'm healed it's another thing to open the door and say okay everybody this is what happened the thing is that after I started working these things out within myself, I started connecting with people that had been affected by it. And so because I knew what it looked like when it happened to me and how I would behave and how I would be really selective about what I wore or, you know, really dramatic about mm -hmm. what I wore. Like, I knew how to point it out in people. And then the people started to, like, draw to me. So, you know, I was, like, just trying to learn, like, oh... You know, for me, it was just like confront everything. And then, you know, these people are drawn to me and I'm just like, I can tell. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was like, what what would happen if not just this one person who has been drawn to me because they mirror my life? Um, I could I could help them change or help them walk through this. What would happen if I did it publicly? And so I was thinking like I could cover way more ground about a topic that I don't feel like anybody is talking about mm -hmm. or if they're talking about it. They're not giving hope. How is the process of equipping, of, of, of you stepping on and saying, listen, these are the tools that I've gained. Here's what you can learn. I think that, especially with having children, because I feel like the Lord has just taught me a lot just with having kids, that I can't treat my older son the way I do my younger. Because he's young and he doesn't know as much as the older one does. I'm more assertive with my older son because he has a strong personality, where with my younger son, he's more like, you know, mommy's baby and I have to talk to him differently. And so what I realized is that everybody's not going to do it the way that I did. I was just like, Lord, here's the brick. Do I need to run into it so that I can be free? Where with other people, there are different side effects to it. There's, there's different ways that they handle it. And so I think that first, I just want people to understand, one, you're not the only one who's been through it. And then two, the most important thing is to confess it. Because sometimes we just have it in our like in our minds and we're just repeating it. And we think that we're alone and nobody knows what we're going through when in all actuality there's plenty of people going through it but nobody has talked yeah. about it. And so after the confession, I think that definitely forgiveness needs to, you know, come into play coupled with really praying and really studying the word because mm -hmm. honestly for me for a very long time I was walking myself through this and it, and then I got to this point and it was like I can't even help myself anymore like I've done as much as I can to get myself here and now I need someone to partner with me and that's when the Holy Spirit allowed me to 
um, understand that I need someone to mentor me and come alongside of me. Someone that is someone that was a little bit stronger and that could help me kind of really walk this out and not run away because my first response to just, you know, not having parents who I felt were there for me the way that I needed them to was to push people away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to test you. I'm going to tell you off. I'm going to see if you're going to leave me just like everybody else did. And so I needed to pray and ask the Lord to send somebody who was graced to deal with me in my hard places, in my places that I didn't want to let go, but I needed to. And then the Lord did that. So I feel like there's just steps that we need to take. Mm -hmm. And the first one is making the choice to say, I'm no longer going to be this way and I really want to walk it out. Yeah. But I think the first thing is confession. And that's why I feel like if I openly confess it, then people will, you know, gain like this, just feeling that they could confess it as well and really, you know, see. Because at the end of this, although there's still work that I have to do, the hardest part for me is over. And I am happy, you know, mm -hmm. and I feel like people who've been through this kind of stuff walk around with this like sadness that, you know, they can't really explain. And I just want them to understand like you can be happy and you can overcome this stuff, but there's some things that you have to do. What is the title of the documentary? It's called The Voice of Tamar. How did you come up with the title? There's not a lot of places in the Bible where um, rape is talked about. And I've realized 98% of the time, it's a generational thing. Like there have been, you know, these situations in the family line for a very long time. And so as I was reading first and second Samuel, mm -hmm. I learned that, you know, there was just this generational thing that just went from generation to generation as close to God's heart. Um, as David was, he, there was still some really dysfunctional stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, during that process, his daughter was raped. She was raped by her half-brother. Yeah, and when I started to read it, it was like it mirrored a lot of my life and just uh, even her feelings. And it's like everything is really in the word, but that one mirrored my life the most. And so I feel like when I was reading it, it was talking about how after she had been raped, she walked down the street and she took off her robe and she was just crying. But it was like she was crying, but she didn't say anything, you know? And then even when she said something to her brother, he was very like passive, even though he ended up killing him at the end. But he said, don't take it to heart. And I feel like, Today, you know, people are raped or, you know, a uncle is molesting the niece and she finally says something and then they're like, you know, your uncle, he's just touchy-feely sometimes and they're really passive and they really want to hide that stuff, especially within the family because they don't want to kind of start trouble. And so I felt like that mirrored my life in so many ways and, and I feel like she had that one chapter. It started a whole lot of mess after that, but she's not really talked about. And so I just wanted to be her voice and know that the plot could change. I know the plot changed for me. You yeah. know, I, I didn't live at my brother's house for the rest of my life and, you know, never got married. Like, it's going to change for me moving mm. forward, and that's because I opened my mouth. How necessary is it overcoming fear? It's everything. It's everything because I feel like that's what the enemy mm -hmm. tries to attack you with first. Just fear. Fear that, you know, the backlash is going to be to the more vulnerable. So it's like, I have sons. You know, and so it's like I have to cover them spiritually because mm -hmm. people are going to come after. You know, people are not going to want me to talk about this. You know, people that are the most close, you know, closest to me are probably going to be upset. And so the funny thing is that when I first mentioned to someone that I was very close to that I was going to do a documentary, I mean, I was building a relationship with them and they were very close to me. And as soon as I said it, I mean, everything just broke loose. And that person told me everything about myself. So, you know, like, you trust your diary. Yeah. You just write everything down. Yeah. 
I wrote, you know, I like told that person everything, every fear that I had, yeah. every worry about finances, home, everything. And when I tell you, they just went off and called me everything. But what the Lord calls me, I felt like even that was the Lord teaching me like, yeah. guess what? People are not going to like what you have yeah. to say. People are going to shut you down. People are going to demonize this. And like, I'm going to teach you through this situation, mm-hmm. how you're going to walk out of it. And so I feel like along this road the Lord has really taught me like you're going to speak people are going to be mad you know um, people are going to be offended but there's going to be way more fruit that comes out of this than you know the people that you lose and the people that you lose you know shouldn't be in your corner at any in any way anyways mm-hmm. so with the whole process how important is it to surround yourself with people that understand the vision and the mission that you have before you it's everything <laughs> so you know, there's moments where I'm like confident. And I'm like, this is going to come out. It's going to be amazing because I've seen the fruits of me just having one-on-ones with a select few people. And then there's moments where I'm like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put all my business out there. <laughs> it's on Facebook. It's never going to be deleted. And so when there's people surrounding you, like from all sides, just letting you know, hey, you can do this. You're going to be okay. Remember what the Lord says? Because sometimes along the way, mm-hmm. you get the initial, um, like, mandate from God and then along the way you're like maybe I didn't hear him right <laughs> you know I was fasting like 43 days maybe yeah, I was just feeling a little yeah, by that point, you know? and those people are like nope you wrote it in this journal this yeah. date this time or just when you feel like you're just you know not good enough or not quali- qualified enough or not processed enough you have those people who've been walking very close with you and they're like remember a year ago, you were doing this, 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 and that, and you could never imagine yourself here. Well, this is where you're at now, and this is where the, you know, where the Lord is definitely sending you. And so I feel like, you know, in my moments of vulnerability, those people have really been like, no, we're going to do this, mm-hmm. and you're not alone, and I'm going to cover you in prayer. And those people surrounding me, at times, I don't want to tell them my fears, like what I'm afraid of that's going to happen next. And the crazy thing is that because they're surrounding me and they've covered me in prayer, the Lord talks to them about things that I've not shared with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the Lord will give them a word for me that will be like, I never shared this with anybody. I've been praying with you, Lord, about this in my private time. And this person that I trust is now giving me a word about what I prayed about. And so I know that this is you kind of just affirming me once again. If there was one word that you can use and say, this is the light, this is that beacon, what would that one word be for you? Joy. In the beginning of the documentary, there's all these pictures of me from like five to 15. And all of, like in all the pictures, I'm just like half smiling or not really smiling or just looking really sad. Where now it's like I'm in the car and it's like, you know, I could be in front of 300 people, you know, in my mind because I'm just, you know, really happy and I've never been able to experience like foundation of a foundation of happiness. It was always sorrow, sorrow, sorrow and good moments. And now it's like I'm happy either way and things are going to happen. And guess what? They're going to pass and that underlying happiness is always there. So, Father, I just thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice, God, who has weathered this podcast. I pray that you would begin to just heal them, Father, from every experience that they have had. I thank you that they would come into relationship with you and that they would understand, God, that you desire for them to be healed and whole, Father. We know that violation, rape will cause a a mistrust, and so it's hard to believe in a God that we cannot see. And so, God, I just ask you that you would introduce yourself to them, Father, that in some way, some shape, 
way or form, God, that your Holy Spirit would just encamp around them right now in the name of Jesus. God, that they would know that you were there even when these violations happen and that you care and you desire for them to be healed and whole. God, I pray that you would begin to send healthy relationships around them that would help them to enter into this journey of healing. I thank you for the courage to go to therapy and not be afraid to share their personal experiences with people. Father, I pray that you would begin to talk to your sons and daughters about all that you desire for them, God, in moments where we feel broken and destroyed and like there is a, there is no repair from our, our situations and our circumstances, God, like you did for me, I ask that you would remind them of your future and your desires for them beyond this moment and beyond this time, God. I pray that you would minister to your sons and daughters in a way like never before. And so I bless you and I honor you for them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Have an awesome day and I'll hear, see, listen to you guys, engage with you guys next week. Listen to the podcast, y'all. That's what I'm saying. Bye.